Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Phil Bliss, founder of Canada's podcast. Today we're going to meet Stephen Van Lefeld. Stephen is the founder and CEO of eSupply Canada, an online distributor of office janitorial and industrial supplies. eSupply Canada donates a portion of each sale to the Future Leaders Scholarship Program, which supports Indigenous students pursuing post-secondary education in business, economics, law, and the trades. The story of eSupplies Canada's Future Leaders Scholarship Program and its impact on Indigenous students is compelling and worth a listen, as well as Stephen's entrepreneurial journey. Stephen, welcome to Canada's podcast. It's great to meet you. Um, we had a good session just beforehand, and I, you know, I want to focus as we always do on your entrepreneurial journey, but I also want you know to bring in some of the indigenous focus and and some of the things that you're working on in in, in that area in terms of entrepreneurship, uh, and and I think that's. That's terrific. So uh, let's sort of head into it. And so before we go much further, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, what you do, you know, how you got here kind of thing. That would be that would be terrific. You know, keep it down to about, you know, three to five minutes, not not an hour. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate the opportunity, uh, Philip. You know, it's a, it's a pleasure to meet yourself. Um, you know, really my, my story is not unlike many of your, your other entrepreneurs that, that you've had on here. You know, if I, if I reflect back on my path to entrepreneurship, I think it was really instilled in me at, you know, a young age that if you want to get ahead, you really need to put in the effort, the work, regardless of what that is. Right. I mean, I know you talk with farmers, you talk with entrepreneurs of all types and, you know, it's really about having that idea, the vision, and the drive to get it done. And that was really instilled in me in any young age. You know, I grew up uh, in a community called Saugeen First Nation. It's about two and a half hours northwest of Toronto on the southern shores of Lake Huron. Um, you know, and my mom was a residential school um, survivor, right? She had, she had gone to residential school, had come out of that, having had her experience, but um, having a profound appreciation and a drive for wanting to change things, right? Mm -hmm. um, she went on to become a nurse and had done many things. In fact, she was a double-leg amputee, right? But that didn't prevent her from the drive that she had and thus instilled in me. Um, and so, you know, I can get into my whole entrepreneurial journey throughout our, our talk over here, but I'm the founder and CEO of a company called eSupply Canada. And what we are is a national Indigenous-owned online distributor of office, janitorial, industrial, and promotional supplies. So we are basically your one-stop shop for everything that you, government, industry needs in order to operate, right? No longer you need to go out to the big box retailers and have various accounts. We actually simplify that purchasing process through a one-stop shop uh, portal. And because we're an indigenous business, we want to be a supplier to governments. And governments have made a 5% procurement um, commitment to indigenous businesses, and they're struggling. Well, guess what? 
we simplify that. We want to help you. You're already consuming the stuff that we supply, right? So we target government and we also target industry, right? Industry, you can't hit a resource project in this company without um, encroaching on some indigenous communities, traditional territory. And industry is looking to partner with communities, looking to partner with indigenous businesses, minority-owned businesses, women-owned businesses for social good, and of course, for social license, right? We want to be a supplier to them as well. And so that's really what, what we're about. Online distributor of things that really aren't sexy, Office, janitorial, industrial, but these are high volume supplies that all industries need to operate. But let, let's sort of think about the journey. I mean, you, you grew up on Sogin and on, on the rest. You know, it's not the same journey as, as many other people I've interviewed. And, and I kind of wanted to, you know, give a little bit of, of, of some, some kind of insight into, you know, how Stephen got to this point of and became an entrepreneur. I mean, I, I, not just for me, but for other Indigenous people listening, you know, it's, it, it's something that we're all, I mean, so many people are thinking about. And, and I think, you know, just focus on that piece of it, if you can. Sure. So, you know, as I think about my, my path to entrepreneurship, again, as I mentioned, it was, it was out of necessity, right? I grew up in a rural area. You know, racism was and still is very much alive and well. And so, you know, when I was applying for positions outside of the community, there were few jobs for someone like me, right? Um, they went to, fo to to the students and the people from the, the non-Indigenous towns that surround us. And so basically what, what I did was um, we were in a farm area. And the farmers needed workers. And so when I wanted stuff, that's where I was out. I was in the farms uh, picking strawberries. You know, I was farming the, the land or being a laborer out there. You know, I was starting out of necessity um, a lawn cutting business, a landscape business. And I would actually do that. I would go out um, during, the, during the summer season as well, and I would cut your grass. Now, my mom also having to work as, as a nurse, as, as I mentioned, at the local health center. So she ran the, uh, the babysitting course. So, you know, I saw that as a value add to my customers. So not only would I cut your grass during the day, but I would watch your kids at night. So I got you on both ends, right? Parents just love me. I did, uh, I did a great book of business that summer as a 12-year-old. Um, and then just worked in, you know, landscaping, running my own business until I went off to, to college. So that was really what it was about. It was out of necessity and wanting to have, I think, more, right? Wanting to have what other folks had. And, you know, as great as my parents did in providing, it wasn't what, you know, the same stuff, the material stuff that kids want to the parents that worked at the nuclear power plant. Because within my territory, we have the world's largest nuclear power plant, a lot of white collar jobs, highly skilled jobs, and folks from my community largely didn't have that. It was a, a you know a 50, 60 year history of exclusion. But you know, I didn't let that stop me. I look for the opportunity. What did people need? And so I think like right from an early age, it was that entrepreneurial spirit was was instilled in me. So you know, you you. 
founded this thing called Future Leaders Scholarship Program, which eSupply donates a portion of its revenue to. Tell us a little bit about what's behind that. So interestingly, I started that in tandem with the concept of eSupply. So in 2016, I was elected to council at my community. I was living in Toronto at the time. And so, you know, I was elected to council. I saw it as a a great opportunity to move home and bring all the skills and experience and connections I had built outside of the community for the past 20 years to help my community. Uh, And one of my portfolios was economic development, right? My job was to identify opportunities for the community, for the nation to drive business development. But what I saw at the time was our revenue leaving the community. And why was that? Because my community, like many other Indigenous communities, not all of them, but many, have few businesses. And you'll see a gas station, you know, or some private businesses, right? That's not enough to stimulate an economy. That's not enough to keep people working, to keep the flow of capital circulating. As a result, revenue was leaving the community. And I said to my finance guy at the time, I said, where's our revenue going, right? Where's our revenue going? And it just so happened, one of the big box office suppliers came scrolling in for the third time that week. Uh, and I said, aha, that's what we're, you know, that's part of what we're purchasing, office supplies. And I said, how much are we spending on office supplies? And it was about $200,000 a year. And I said, wow, that is a significant amount that we're giving to that big box retailer. I'm going to go and hit them up at Christmas time to support our toy drive. Well, I went over there and I was told, we can't help you. You need to go online and apply just like everybody else. And I said, you know, that's not right. You know, we're giving you the local brick and mortar $200,000. And you can't even give a nominal donation to support our toy drive. You know, and it dawned on me that our business was being taken for granted. It wasn't being earned. It was simply being gotten because out of necessity. And I said, you know, there's 634 Indigenous communities in Canada. If our business is being taken for granted, how many other communities are, Right. And so that got me really thinking about what else are we purchasing? And that led to e-supply and instilled within the business was that give back component. So as upset as I was at the time, you know, I really want to thank that big box retailer for saying no, because now e-supply Canada is here. We're servicing Indigenous communities and we have that actual give back component. And so what we do is we target uh, 1% of uh, net profit to the e-supply Future Leaders Development Fund. And this is a pool of resources. Once a year, we make a donation. Uh, We target uh, it's split between supporting Indigenous entrepreneurs and the other part supports Indigenous post-secondary students uh, in business, economics, law, as well as the trades. And I was intentional when I set that up because these are industries where if if we increase the number of Indigenous graduates, it's going to have a significant impact both within the communities, within Indigenous families, and on the economy as a whole. But I found that this is also where we're still contracting folks from outside of the community that have those expertise. So I wanted to focus on those areas specifically. What's, you know, in terms of getting where you are, um, and I guess maybe maybe being Indigenous coming off the res might be the greatest challenge, but 
is there any particular challenge that you faced getting here today that we can learn from? So I think if you ask this question among a lot of folks that have overcome adversity, particularly Indigenous people, you know, it's resiliency. If you ask a lot of Indigenous people that, you know, have graduated from post-secondary, why are you here? They'll often say, you know, I have a greater opportunity of being dead or winding up jail than I actually do in terms of graduating. And if you look at the actual graduation rates versus the incarceration rates, it's actually, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a truth. Right. Uh, so that actually is um, a barrier. Just having already those systemic barriers as as um, something you have to overcome on a daily basis. Right. Um, so there is that. Um, and I would say in terms of being an entrepreneur, there are many barriers as well. I mean, access to capital is, is one of the main um, challenges that Indigenous entrepreneurs face. You know, if you live on reserve, uh, you know, you don't hold the deed to your house. You can't put it up as collateral in order to start the business and acquire capital, right? It's, uh, it's a challenge. Um, so having that access to start a business is certainly a, a challenge. Many folks from communities haven't been brought up with financial, um, financial literacy. You know, Canadians, I think, writ large haven't, but more so folks from disadvantaged communities. They just don't have that mm -hmm. um, by and large. And so many folks don't have credit as well. So they don't have the they don't have access to the credit. They don't have the the land in order to be able to put that up, which makes starting businesses incredibly difficult. And so, you know, I happen to live off reserve. I started a business, you know, in my late 30s, you know, I had, um, you know, I had worked away at a while. So I had some savings and but the challenges are still very much present, right? Um, and ultimately, in order to overcome that, it's about being resilient. And Indigenous peoples are resilient. We've had to overcome, you know, 150 years of oppression, right? And only now are things starting to change. And it's been a lot of hard work by our elders, by our leaders and successive generations. But the more folks overcome, that drive is instilled in us, right? And so it's inherent in Indigenous peoples to overcome adversity. And so I think that has helped me, you know, achieve a, a measure of success, if you will. You speak thought a lot about this, but what specific, well, not specific, what, what good advice would you give an entrepreneur looking to start a business now? You know, not you, you know, young a younger entrepreneur. Not that you're older or anything, but a younger entrepreneur. <laughs> so, generally, I would say to entrepreneurs is consider franchising. You know, franchising is a path to business development. You don't always need to start something from scratch, right? Folks want to do that and they want to go out and they want to think it up. There are just so many layers and barriers and, and difficulties that come with that, that that's not always the path for everyone. But that doesn't mean that you can't be an entrepreneur or be incredibly successful. You know what? Mm -hmm. If somebody else has 
created a system and they've proven the concept and they put support around me in order to be successful. And yes, I make less of a margin. So what? Right. And if I look at the franchise ecosystem in Canada, there are over 1,400 different systems across any number of industries. They have the opportunities are really endless. Right. So if I was a French or if I was a business person starting out, I'd say, what is the, what is the path to uh, with, with the least amount of barriers? And franchising could be one because I could look at all the various needs and wants in, uh, within a geographical area go to these 1400 and really pick and choose, particularly around my skill set. Now, if I'm an indigenous person, I'd also say, now's the time to really get into business, right? Because governments have made commitments to indigenous procurement. Industry wants to partner with you. And small and medium enterprises are, are looking for ways to reach out to Indigenous businesses, Indigenous entrepreneurs to support economic reconciliation. So find, again, something. Maybe you have a craft. Maybe you're great at, you know, in wherever you might be. You know, you have uh, access to timber, depending on where you are. There are so many things that um, you can do to create great businesses, you know, and so I'd say now is the time. And one of the things that I also often say is that I take a bit of a different approach when it comes to entrepreneurship. You know, a lot of folks will say, find your passion and follow that. I say, find the opportunity and follow that. And once you've found that opportunity, you've built a business, then find what it is that keeps you coming back day after day, right? Find that opportunity. So for instance, with e-supply, I didn't set out to start selling office supplies. You got to be crazy if that was my dream. Wasn't. But what I saw was revenue leaving my community, my business, you know, our business being taken for granted, industries really not sure how can they partner with indigenous communities. So I saw that opportunity. And now because I franchise e-supply, and we are one of only two Indigenous-owned franchise systems in Canada. We actually give Indigenous communities a vehicle to stop that leak by purchasing the supplies they need through their own e-supply franchise system, right? And so now we're helping Indigenous communities keep that revenue as much as possible within communities. And that's where the passion comes from, being able to employ people at a community level. So it's the opportunity leading to the passion. So we talked about elders, and you know, I'm, there's some great advice, and uh, you know, mentors, elders. What's the best piece of advice that you've received? That you know, it's kind of there in your back pocket. You just carry it around with you all the time. Probably the best piece of advice that I've gotten is just find a way to get it done. Right. And I think entrepreneurs are, are like that, right? When they come to a fork in the road, that doesn't mean it's, it's an end. You can go left, you can go right, or you can go through. Mm -hmm. Right. And I've had to do that in life as I've had to do that in as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so many roadblocks have been put up along the way for one reason or another, being indigenous or not. Right. And you can either use that as an opportunity to give up. Or use that as an opportunity to iterate and become better. And that's what I instill in my kids. 
they're going to be faced with these challenges. They're going to be faced with roadblocks. But is there, a, is there a solution around it? Might not be the ideal solution, but is there a way to address that? And so I think that is you know, one of the mottos that I live by is just find a way to get it done. Right. And that's, you know, true in life as it is in business. So let's move. It's been pretty serious discussion. So let's move on to some <laughs> kind of more fun rapid fire questions, we call them. Uh, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you be doing instead? Well, I always wanted to be a lawyer for some reason. So I'd uh, I'd probably be doing that if I wasn't an entrepreneur. I'd be I'd be a lawyer by now. Are you a morning or a night person? Definitely a morning person. My my morning start at four a.m. That's early. That's even early for me. It's like five thirty. <laughs> <laughs> it's so early, even the birds aren't up. <laughs> you know what book are you currently reading? You know, listening to. You know that kind of thing. What 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 the 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 you think someone should read or listen to? Um. So one of the ones that I'm reading is uh, How I Built This. It's uh, it's the book version of the podcast How I Built This with Guy Raz. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's taken all those stories and he summarized them in a book, and I use that as inspiration. So Good. that's that's what I'm reading. Okay. What's keeping you up at night? On the business front. Scaling and scaling properly. I can guess what this word is, maybe. If you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what would it be and why? Resilient. I I kind of thought that might come out. Resilient. (laughs) Why? Uh, because I am, and I've shown it time and time again, and that's why we're sitting here chatting today. Okay, Stephen, I'm, I'm at my limit of time. I see, so I'm gonna. I could, I we could talk a lot longer, <laughs> but the fact is, after 20 minutes, everyone drops off. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's really important, especially on some of the things that we've been talking about. An indigenous community and people that uh, how can people find you online and maybe you know grab grab some time with you? Yeah, Just, I would uh, I would uh, I would encourage everyone to uh, go to our website uh, eSupplyCanada.ca. The letter E SupplyCanada.ca. Uh, you can get to know about us, about procurement, and of course uh, shop. Okay, Stephen. Absolutely fantastic to meet you. It's been a good session, and uh, I think it's been good insights there. That's terrific. Appreciate it. Keep up the great work, uh, Philip. Thank you.